0: right behind us, hosted by me, Brandon Daniel, of the Seattle band BD and the Sheiks. The concept here is to bring you conversations with contemporary recording artists, the kind of conversations we have with one another when we're playing a show together, talking backstage, at barbecues, or in our own living rooms. These kind of conversations about creativity and entertainment and being artists rarely leave those comfortable settings, and I wanted to bring them to you. Today our guest is the brilliant Omar from the band Great Spiders. Omar is a very interesting dude and he has a a really good reputation around town for for being an interesting conversation, so I'm excited for you to get to hear him talk and uh, for you to get to hear some of his music, his new song Bailey plays, a killer tune I'm really enjoying. So let's get to it, let's talk to Omar. But before we do, we need to talk about our sponsor today, Blumenstein Audio. Are you an audiophile or an audio junkie? I know there's a lot of you out there and most of you are huge music fans. Let's talk about Blumenstein Audio. They provide the ultimate fidelity single driver speaker experience and they also provide audio accessories for music lovers. Since 2006, Blumenstein Audio has handcrafted their fine line of speakers in Washington state out of bamboo and birch woods. They've received wonderful reviews from publications like Tone Audio And they've sold speakers to every continent, including Antarctica. Get your 10% discount on Blumenstein's fine products just for being a listener of this podcast. That's right, just enter the promo code BD on checkout at blumensteinaudio.com. That's B-L-U-M-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-Audio.com. All right, now Omar.
1: Never forget your wall. Never forget your skin. Taken by moves, we got hot like a star. Walked out, threw up in my car. Oh, shit. Eyes as dark as my mind. 22 blues, and I don't mind dying times running up my spine Too many loose and I'll never see you again Eyes as dark as my mind Twenty-two blues and I don't mind dying the times running up my spine Too many loose and I'll never see you again I'm gonna put my hand between you.
0: How long have you been doing great spiders
2: um probably about 10 11 years technically but not really seriously until well, i guess i'm lazy at it because <laughs> uh-huh. i'm overzealous about perfection so it's like right. i put a lot more time into other projects that i was doing it's weird because i'm like all or nothing so i just went if it's not right then i just abandon it for a long time but i put out one seven inch in 2008 uh-huh. i guess that would probably be the first um official release or whatever four songs on there uh on vinyl with a download card right and yep and my friend suggested that name as that because i was writing music in like 2006 maybe so uh-huh. I mean, maybe that was like a marking point right which is a medieval poison people sometimes think it's self-aggrandizing or something great spiders but and i didn't even like it the who first th- who mi- thinks that i i don't know you know when you people tell people like what's your band calling great spiders oh yeah, big great spider, whatever it's called. Like <laughs> I don't know. You know, sometimes you know it's just all yeah. that. Life's kind of full of ego trips on totally. everybody's thing. You know, including myself, dealing with that. A trip out on that a lot, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But that was probably the first uh, first thing. But yeah, to medieval point, and, and my friend goes, uh, he goes, "What about great spiders for a band name?" It's referenced from this book, and I was like that's dumb and then I was like <laughs> yeah. five, ten minutes later, I was like oh that shit that sounds trendy sure right <laughs> I was like that sounds fine and it's a medieval poison for, that's cool yeah and there was this other girl playing around town on uh, Jesse fortino I believe I said anyway tiny vipers oh, and it was like right. the antithesis of that and I thought she was really cool I saw her at a house party when I first moved to Seattle in like 2003 and mm. she just had this crazy presence like and these really dark songs but it was Kind of an unorthodox style as far as like how I write, you know, kind of like, I don't know, Avant or some shit, but it was, it was like just really moving. And, so, and then she had that. I thought that was a cool name, Tiny Vipers, better than Great yeah. Spiders. But then I was like, ah, it sounds like something in the zone of cool, you know, another animal name or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: well, well, I don't um, think the name is a uh, tarnished or, or, or worn to uh, any diminished level for me. I mean, I think it always sounds cool.
2: Yeah, well, that's good, you yeah, know. That's interesting. It's kind of peripheral at this point. Like, some people, my couple of close friends were like, you just go by your name. My name's weird, you know, but... And I was like... Eh, What's your know. last name? Uh, it's Schaumbacher, which uh, yeah. is a German name, but... You could just go by that. Schaumbacher, yeah it's, yeah. it's clumsy. It's like... <laughs> with the name, like, Schmuckers, it's gotta be good. I never... I was like, really? When I was seven, I was like, that sounds awful.
0: <laughs> I think Schaumbacher sounds cool.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm not German but I think it's neat
2: well it was like Bon Jovi that's his last name right I mean yeah. that's, talk about a perfect name for that oh I know you know Bon Jovi uh. it's <laughs> I remember watching this show called Night Tracks with my dad when I was like four uh-huh. uh, it was like a predecessor to MTV or right around when MTV was still small or whatever but uh-huh. they would show videos for an hour What do you remember that yeah one? totally Night Tracks yeah I don't remember uh,
0: Night Tracks but I remember that era of MTV yeah you know uh, 120 minutes or whatever. Yeah, but yeah.
2: I don't know about that one. I don't remember.
0: You remember that one? That was the metal one, with the ball. Game, oh, I, I remember that. Yeah. That yeah. this
2: was much later than when I, I'm. <laughs> yeah. But anyway.
0: Yeah. So um I wanted to get into that. Um, actually, um, your your songwriting. I mean, what do you think it is that was different about um, this girl when you met her from your her songwriting to yours? I mean, just as a. Mm-hmm conversation on that
2: I don't know I mean I I really do like pop music you know and I think a lot of people reference it maybe well I like pop music from certain pop music I always say there's two kind of pop songs there's they're all pretty catchy generally you know sometimes I think that the status quo can twist people almost mm-hmm. like hypnotize them you know and, and the population can somewhat be unwitting zombies and kind of consumption and be like oh Yeah, this is good, it's catchy, and I think that there's, especially now more than ever, or maybe I'm just an old fuddy-duddy, I feel like, what? This isn't catchy, it's just like, because they drilled it into your head that it's catchy. Right, yeah. That being said, I think that generally all pop songs are catchy, and there's two kinds. There's the ones that are like really beautiful or cool, and then there's the ones that are just still catchy, but (laughs) annoying. Yeah. That's my opinion. Sometimes those
0: are classics, like... uh...
2: Who let how the dogs it,
0: out or not, yeah, how much is that puppy in the window? Yeah,
2: that yeah, sure that one. That's real old timey, I remember
0: But that was so, like that was pop. That was like sixties yeah. era pop.
2: I think was that was it before that even? I thought that was pre Elvis and then Elvis kinda came and then mm. it was Dave Clark five then or something. I don't I don't, yeah. know, I don't know. I'm not some musicologist in that sure. But uh yeah, sure those pops so you know, or um what's another inane pop song that's just still catchy i mean i could name a local rapper but
0: what do you think of that new dreams track by beck
2: uh i didn't like it at first mm-hmm. um i just heard a little bit i didn't didn't dislike it well what am i trying to say here i just i was like i was, i don't know i was immediately not like drawn in but then i listened to it again and i was like this is great mm-hmm. it's so good so good except for the he did have to like you know, put those whoas or some shit yeah, like yeah, that that's, that's in stuff. every yeah. fucking song nowadays. And it's um, like, it was never that good to begin with. I feel like it's really derivative of a Northwest kind of indie rock thing. Which don't I, you think
0: that's been in his music for a long time, though? It's probably wh- more why it ended up in there.
2: Maybe. I feel like when he did, like, One Foot in the Grave,
0: mm. like,
2: uh, he was doing indie rock. It was a little bit trashy and loose and this and that. And he had Calvin Johnson singing on it. But it was not junked out like not only junking in it, like a drug sense, but just like it was I don't know it had more harmony and melody that it just had more like less less neutered to use maybe a non not a very <laughs> you know one of my
0: favorite tracks in recent history from him was was um, that one-off release that he did when he broke up away from his label and put out time bomb. Uh, is that with a cover project that he was doing? No, it's 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 What's, just a song, and it's buyback, and it's like the mo- first bomb. thing he did after he got off of his label. Um, and we, got a, bomb, we got a time bomb. We got a time <laughs> bomb. Nah, 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 nah. We got a time bomb. Na na na. We got a. You don't remember that? <laughs> I didn't hear that oh, one, dude, but dude, I, dude, I, I I was through good. and through a
2: pretty yeah big fan of his. But I mean, my I version kind of, isn't good. His time, well, I will check it out. Time bomb. I know totally uh, the information great. is good. I like that yeah, record, yeah. and uh, probably my least favorite is like "Sea Change" and everybody was, yeah, it's just that same old drivel of yeah. like, you know, like oh, wrote a song, listen to me sing it. It's like oh, I like man. hooks like right there. Uh, Although yeah. for him, it's still good because it's totally. Beck. And that's what I think. But. Well, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it solidified my interest in him. Like really? I
0: actually, I always liked him. But then Sea Changes came out, I don't know, where I was at that time, emotionally, it was perfect for me, You I just like, I sunk, my teeth sunk right into that thing, like, it got
2: such a claim, and when I heard <laughs> it, I was like, ah, he's lost it, I remember I bought that record mm. at, uh, the Fabled um, Rodeo Records in Ellensburg, where I'm from, which, uh, oh. Mark Pickerel owned, a great drummer and friend, and he had this awesome record store I bought like in utero for eight bucks there, on vinyl, you know, but, uh. I remember listening to Sea Change there, or just Gravity and being like, "Oh, dang, man!" He, how? Was,
0: when did you When did you buy In Utero?
2: I can't remember. in uh, ninety two or something. I I, and I gave it to a friend. How old were you? I was in uh, beginning of junior high or something. Yeah, yeah, remember? yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I gave it to a friend for a birthday, and uh, or well, I, In Utero didn't come out till ninety four or something. Actually. Yeah, right. So whenever it was, but. Um, yeah, but Mark Mark was an awesome guy, and it, he or is an awesome guy. But he uh, had like uh, so many records, and like he would have cool shows. Like one time, Thurston Moore came through there and played, cool. and, and Reverend Horton Heat played there, and Calvin Johnson would do something there. Dub Narcotic would stop through, or some stuff like that. I think Foo Fighters played there at one point in a record store the size of you know Walgreens or something. You know, it was like right. the Easy Street of Ellensburg. Right. Unfortunately, that scene over there is. Culturally devoid to the point where it was hard for him to sustain it, and then of course there was Napster and all that crap in the late '90s that kind of killed the a lot la- a big amount of the killed it in the big cities, yeah. let alone yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. So Ellensburg, Washington, right? So, yeah, uh, that's where you grew up. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I don't, I can't get away from that Nidorah thing. I went to Warehouse Music. Yeah. When I was fourteen, I'd, I was already really into Nirvana, but I'm... You know, I am money. So one day I had like 12 bucks or whatever and I went down to Warehouse Music and got myself the In Utero. I still have the same copy mm-hmm. there in my archive of useless CDs. But, um... That was... That was one, the first record that made me so happy. <laughs> Dude, it's really good. Like, I was yeah. so... Uh, <laughs> such a, a a little bruised kid, and then that record just made me feel like, even though he was already dead by then, Mm -hmm. um, that there was a place for me. There was somebody out there that did something that said what I needed to say.
2: You were angsty too then. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I wonder if he made me angsty. I mean, I was definitely a Uh, misfit and a class clown and everything, but, It was almost obligatory to be, like, a depressed, sullen teenager. Are you the youngest? Uh, Yeah, I'm actually, uh, no, I'm the oldest of, I
0: have one half, uh, half half brother, I guess Uh you call it, we Uh have a different dad. Okay, so you have, uh, like, a a tricky, only child kind of situation where.
2: Yeah, by the time, and then my brother comes along when I'm eight, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This was established. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, my brother Flynn though he's a good guy. He's a motor. He's a mechanic right now. He's working on motorcycles and stuff, cool. but he's pretty brilliant at that. And yeah, so. you know Matt
0: does that. Our drummer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. he um, he's an engineer, and uh, he took up um, motor, vintage motorcycle flipping uh, mm-hmm. as a kind of side income, and um, then he got into racing them mm. he's racing vintage motorcycles now oh vintage yeah 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 it's pretty A little squirrely little tracks that's he, you cool sh- you should talk to him about it sometime i'm yeah. not gonna try and pretend like i know all about it but we can just talk neat. about this for the next hour <laughs> <Not> even, <laughs> totally.
2: i don't even well no i mean actually i don't know shit about that stuff i know my brother he goes down to washugal and down to some track near walla walla he just went down there the other day and does the same thing but not with uh vintage not with vintage bikes but I had a motorcycle two years ago, but I crashed it, and I'm glad because it was just a little fender bender. yeah, you know, you never know the next one might be a semi or something. You well, know? that's
0: the thing. I'm not afraid of riding bikes. Mm-hmm. I love I love the idea of riding bikes. I'm afraid of being the victim of the person that doesn't see you. And in this town, that's <laughs> it's pretty good likelihood <laughs> that's yeah. gonna happen. But uh, back yeah. to back to the music thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, what when did you start playing? So you're eight when your brother came along, half brother. Um, when did you start playing music?
2: Well, when he came along and he started getting all the attention, that gave me the blues, you know. So, <laughs> no, I don't know this. Uh, I started. I mean, I guess I was like wanted to be a comic book uh, artist or mm. or an actor. I went to Universal Studios when you know some you know some lofty dream for anybody born in an empire i don't know that has the luxury of eating fresh food and everything every day but uh yeah so but uh then what my dad kept saying when i was like you know a kid all the way oh you gotta start playing guitar i'm gonna get you a guitar and this and that and i was like i don't care i don't want to play guitar i'm just not interested and then uh but i loved guns N' roses when terminator 2 came out and i just I, I told my mom get me the cassettes you know and and she got me the cassettes for Christmas and uh, You Could Be Mine was the title track off that movie Terminator 2 and like uh, and I was like that will probably be the only good song because even at that point I was somewhat familiar before that and it was like The Doors and Madonna's True Blue and Like a Prayer were like my three favorite records you know really yeah yeah The Doors Greatest Hits but uh and because and, and, she got Which me is right
0: there what's that that's now that's the live Doors right there oh hell yeah basically the greatest hits it's, yeah 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 it's funny that this singing out when you came in talking about that yeah well it's so
2: good you know i don't care if people think it's cheesy or overdone I don't it's, care just, either. it's
0: just fucking amazing
2: great good music so yeah but anyway he was yeah so get the uh the guns N' roses records and i was like yeah, i guess it i got the hit parader magazines and everything they're like it'd be cool to be one of these guys they're like mm-hmm. superheroes you know even though they're misogynist assholes at times and drug (laughs) addicts or whatever, but the music was beautiful and it was stout and Civil War came on first. I wanted to hear that title track, You Could Be Mine, and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. It's just so beautiful and it ends with that somber wah-wah pedal riff and everything. It's very Jimi Hendrix-esque. But anyway, so then my dad was talking about guitar. I said, okay, maybe, you know. Anyways, he got me a guitar when I turned like 15 or something and I rapidly became... Uh, fixated, and just played a lot and a lot and just, yep. You know, and took a couple private lessons from a few different mentors and stuff that gave me the grassroots, like mm-hmm. learning the pentatonic scales, and then mm-hmm. kind of in my own theoretical way applying those to like, um, you know, the different modes, what have you, or just learning the major scales. Level. I got pretty good at scales, you know, and then then you know delving into. Rhythm ideas all the way from Steve Cropper to, like, Keith Richards to, like, you know, who's more trashy and not this idea of, like, perfect to Kurt Cobain or whatever, you know, or um, Mike Bloomfield, who was Bob Dylan's guitar player for just, like, this kind of tripped out, I know, on Highway 61 he was originally. right. Uh, people like that, I don't know, Albert King, of course, and Roy Buchanan, I don't know. And I just started, like, listening to the stuff that my dad gave me, although... You know, I was more or less a fan of some of it, and less so of some of the other stuff. You know.
0: Well, and how long did you um, play like that? Pentatonic scales and other people's music before you wrote your own. Um,
2: I probably tried. I was I was like in a rap group kind of in the late nineties, and I was really? I would think yeah, and I would think about hooks and stuff like that is mostly what yeah. I think about, like James Brown type of ideas and stuff, and like. Just do that and. Uh, what
0: what what got you in the rap group?
2: I mean, I like the Beastie Boys a lot, and one time there was this group out of Ellensburg, and it's called Log Hog, mm. and uh, they had an affiliate mild affiliation with K Records and stuff, and they were like these guys I looked up to, and we'd all go to their shows, and they were just cool, and they were- and uh, and I love the Chronic by Dr. Dre, of course, mm. and NWA and. She I actually saw the movie last night it was, it's yeah. pretty good you know it's total romanticism but it's pretty right. it's still awesome you know they neglected all the awful things that they did apparently, but hey you're gonna make a, a movie about you know it's it's supposed right. to be celebratory but uh, you know so I was listening to like the second NWA record a lot and which is it's funny because they touch on that in the film and that was actually there again sometimes I feel like I'm an alien because that's my favorite record like it's just so it's got meter samples on it yeah. um, and stuff like that and, yeah
0: did you discover meters through that?
2: Um, no, I actually, recognized that I knew about right. the meters before that, like Sissy oh. Strut and that. And oh, sweet! Yeah.
0: You knew about the Sissy Strut when you were that young.
2: Yeah, somehow. I mean, probably from act there again, from Rodeo Records, from Mark's store or something. Picking up that or you know something. You know, ever Den, Is that the one Sissy Strut? Then I got Look a Pie Pie. But I don't. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and learn and, and learning stuff like that was like for me it was kind of like doing your homework you know Oh, sure. like you should you should know how to play that or whatever and then, <laughs> yeah. now i now I could probably half bake do it but it's been a minute you know but oh
0: that's cool what's yeah, that i, think, I yeah. know it's cool that you you felt like you needed to educate yourself th- in that way yeah I never did really I know ne- and yeah. I, and then this is why I like this yeah these conversations is just like you know, we talk about these things when we're. Oh fuck, what did you? Opposite yeah. of what I want to but uh, <laughs> no, we talk about these things. You know, when we're playing a show together or whatever, mm-hmm. and then um, or when I see you at the studio or uh, at buildings, and mm-hmm. um, and then those conversations that they never leave the curb, man. I mean, they never, they yeah. never make it into something like this where some kid yeah. is gonna listen and go, oh, what the meter sissy strut. Or That'd somebody cool. <laughs> maybe somebody like you know forty three is just gonna be like yeah. into your music, look you up, find a podcast where you're talking candidly, and then just go, oh whoa, I uh, I know that guy a little better now. This is cool.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm always looking to spew my opinion to anybody that's willing to <laughs> take the barrage of bullshit. It's I've like never I... felt
0: like you were spewing your opinion.
2: Well, the, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's yeah. Hell, it anyway but yeah, so,
0: so you were into educating yourself all along the way, even as you were writing your first material,
2: yeah, oh, the first material, yeah, I don't know, I had something about, so there was the rap group, and I was into just being a rapper, you know, like an mm-hmm. MC or whatever, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool, but I don't know, that, that waned, and whatever, maybe I'll do it again, I mean, I don't know, some, I don't even know, at some point, I just realized the music I really loved was the music of my childhood, a lot of hits, you know, 80s hits and stuff, and, in the early 2000s i realized i just really like hollow notes a lot and stuff and phil collins and there again madonna like i don't know why i always bring her up but this those like pretty much every single record up to ray light is fucking great you know like it's just moody it's got the right kind of melody i mean i i've tried to what's with
0: ray light isn't that i feel like <clears throat> you know in retrospect that's not as bad as it seemed at the time, <laughs> was but
2: and I didn't give that one a whole lot of listens. My mom had it, uh-huh. but uh, bedtime stories I certainly did, and that's groovy. That if you listen to that album, it's very, um, it very for, it for it's it's set the precedent for a lot of the stuff that followed. I think, mm-hmm. like it was very early '90s, but it had like mm-hmm. laid-back wah-wah stuff, <clears throat> um, but with a different sheen on it, different production sheen you know, later, like, what A- Aaliyah and stuff like that, maybe yeah. those people were doing, like, um, I mean, I don't know who informed, you know, the producer, I don't know who produced her, but maybe it was some of the similar similar producers, too, you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah, yeah, it,
0: music production-wise, it probably did yeah. have something to do with that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, do you remember what, do you remember writing your first song, like, on the guitar?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, first song I was writing, we'll go back to that, Night Tracks. I was, well, my dad had a cassette recorder, Ghetto Blaster, and, like, um, we recorded some. He would fret with his left hand, and I was strung with my right hand. I remember huh. singing a song about birds or some, some stuff huh. when I was, like, five or six, and then, but that, that's not, doesn't count, but later on when I was about no, that's, nine.
0: that counts. That's super cool.
2: <laughs> when I was, like, nine, there was a, this song I wrote that was trying to be, like, Bon Jovi or um, some of those acts. I remember we, I saw Danzig on the, on on some late night show. It was like when it was Dirty Black Summertime. And my dad was like, this is awful. Because he's kind of a, even though he's he fancies himself, you know, an open-minded liberal artist. Uh-huh. Guy, he's really intolerant when it comes to, yeah, to, you know, subsequent... Music after the fucking you know psychedelic baby boomer (laughs) Almond Brothers twenty minutes you know Quicksilver Messenger Service Santana all that stuff which is fine a lot of that's great but uh, he likes some eighties hits too but um but I remember I was watching night tracks with him and I was like I want to be I guess at that I was like that'd be cool to be at that point to be like a rocker or something you know right yeah (laughs) but I was like I don't know if it's who it was on there Cinderella or somebody but it was like I had this lyrics was like Master of the
1: Killing Devil, he'll take your life away.
2: <laughs> Master of the Killing Devil, uh, and I don't know what that meant. It just sounded to me like some kind of like rock and roll thing. Yeah, Or yeah. Yeah. Heavy metal. I know that a lot of purists have a special place for what metal really is, but to Impressive. me that was heavy metal when I was yeah. Last. Totally. I know I was there. That was like seven. Yeah. So that was like the first real song, but or felt real first real not song, not mm-hmm. song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah.
0: I was trying to get into uh, like after Nirvana and grunge and everything, I, I uh, my obsession with that was kind of like s- slowly drying up. Well, it wasn't drying up. I was just trying to get into like something heavier. And I got into, I mean, give it, I'm giving them like 14, but I got into uh, White Zombie mm. big time, which is which is just pretty cheesy stuff at the root, but it's actually, you know, if you want to like, rock and bump hard it's doing it you know and so I wanted more of that and I couldn't find it was pre-internet or when internet was just arriving and I and I I didn't know how to find more stuff like White Zombie Mm -hmm. and I went to the library and I checked out a a CD from Megadeth and I thought oh this is gonna be Megadeth this is gonna be hard as shit you know Yeah, and it it wasn't oh (laughs) it wasn't no Megadeth hello me it's me (laughs) It was silly as shit and I was yeah. like no, I want something scary.
2: Huh? Cuz I I yeah, I I have I've never like gotten huge into Megadeth but I've heard enough to know that it seems pretty shreddy, seems pretty shreddy. Shreddy. Know, isn't what did you want like I mean
0: that dark that deep dark like like Danzig or something? Gr- Groanul guitar. But, you know, but all the yeah. stuff that 9-inch nails, man. You ever go Yo, I got 9-inch yeah. nails. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that's', a, that's a whole different. And Marilyn See, Manson came out around that same time yeah. but actually I had already moved on by the time Marilyn Manson came out and tool. I did but I was always a late comer to tool. I don't know why.
2: Yeah, tool tools like a really a potent opiate to harmonic to do a pretty. stupid reference but yeah I, I could only listen to about 15 minutes of tool and I'm like okay, but it is it is definitely has its place you know how oh, I said harmonic melodic or, melodic, it's melodic yeah. and pretty. It's melodic. He's always in that one range, but those rhythms are really tripped
0: out. And Yeah. I actually, yeah. <laughs> so he's always in that one range. You're
2: right. <laughs> so much music. Yeah. Kind of Middle Eastern. Put a tabla in there. But it's incredibly complex. It's weird. It's yeah. always like on the I beat after the one or the one hand. Or it's, you know, that drummer is insane. Obviously, he's a big right. cokehead. I don't want to talk shit on him. I don't know him. But, <laughs> 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 but, uh, but yes, yeah, so, um,. Couldn't do the Rob Zombie, though, man. More Human Than yeah. Human was a cool song, but mm-hmm. that other that's shit like, yeah, that yeah! Yeah! <laughs> like, Shut up, dude. But Manson, he gets it right. He's got great melodies, you know? And yeah. It's not talking. Tongue- it's just fucking beautiful, hooky music there again. Tourniquet. The first one, Portrait of an American Family. Never. I'm not into
0: it, but I was never not into it, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess that's... Yeah. Not really a great way of saying Anything, but... Um, so, you're very prolific. Are you joking? No, I'm not. That's all I hear about you. Uh,
2: that's Somebody said that as a joke. No. Who said that, Aaron?
0: Aaron, but too many other people.
2: I've put out like five, six songs technically in the last no, ten I know. years. I know.
0: I'm aware of Isn't that. Isn't that
2: what prolific means, that you put out a lot of material? Isn't no, like Ty Siegel prolific?
0: You write a lot of material.
2: Okay, well, I suppose, but none of it's really seen the light. I mean, yeah, I kind of mo- mill everything. I was trying to do this, uh... yep, this song the other day, and wow. I just like, fuck, dude, the snare isn't right. You know, I don't know what it is. Like, I got to get the tone right and get mm-hmm. it mixed. So that's why it takes me a long time to put anything out, I guess. Which I don't even know what out means on the internet anymore. Like, just, just I guess I don't know what yeah. what. Is, then you start asking yourself... Never mind, I'll go down a dark road. Just go ahead. Let's talk go about it. Go down the dark road. Well, no, it's, not, it's just the idea of like... What is success and like... What do you want, you know? I told a friend recently... I want money. I want respect. And I want notoriety. I'm full of shit. But I also... A beautiful melody can make me cry, so I know I'm not a total poser. Like, I really care about music, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm well aware of all the cliches... And everybody wants to set themselves apart, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the ironies and all the bullshit, you know, it's like, you don't think that the Beatles and uh, whoever, you know, thought about how they looked and stuff, or Bob Dylan, oh, but they did, or, you know, yeah, any of
0: them, or all, you know, yeah. They were also young too, when they were successful, they did a lot, they, they yeah. thought about that a lot, probably more than you do today.
2: Yeah, probably, you know, you, but um, what's my point about that? I forgot. Just this this idea of, of success and like how you proliferate your music, I guess like I'm like what does it mean, you know? If I don't know what I do, you know. Some,
0: Can I interject some, an idea yeah. that might be good for you? I don't yeah. know if it's good for you because you gotta find it still. But I mean, I think what you could use for as far as like your releasing, because hearing about how much you write seems like um you need somebody to tell you um uh, to do it like a label or a manager that goes hey we need something from you now because we gotta have a release by the fall and then i think you're one of those guys that would just deliver 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 you could probably get it get them a whole oh, new album
2: by then i suppose yeah i mean it's, what i don't understand is why that's such a frenzy like like yeah like why why do they need a follow-up follow-up like it's like we're still listening to, you know, Dobie Gray. Give me the beat, boys. And free my. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I feel like if I can write six good songs, can I just peace out now? Yeah. Like, what yeah. the fuck, dude? I'm trying to write hits. Like, I right. don't know. Yeah. You know, and I'm trying to have, like, an aesthetic or a bravado that's appealing, you know, but I'm a weirdo. You know, I know it like or I'm not necessarily not that's fucking appealing. James Dean, but it's that's like, appealing. you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I just, you know, it's like what i basically want to do with this this upcoming this this thing that i've been working on for damn near eight years really i haven't really been working on it. i've been procrastinating and being depressed or whatever uh-huh. but it's like i want it to try I try to want it to be to every song's like a hit kind of like some uh-huh. of the greatest records you know sure. like i don't even know so you've been I'm putting somebody... that pressure on yourself to like get it yeah, like Tracy Chapman's first record. Pretty much every single song is killer. You know, Morrissey's mm-hmm. drag the whole thing's. I think I think that's a collection, somebody told me. But every song except, I think, the song November Spawned a Monster. That song's for the birds. But sonically, anyway. I mean, uh-huh. the sentiment is just more of sentiment about the cruel reality of the world, which is fine. But musically, it's kind of like, uh, it didn't really hit the spot, I feel like. But yeah, like a whole thing. I mean, who am I to compare myself to these great things? But it's like... I want every song to be, like, a hit, you know? Like, yeah. You know? Because I feel like the, a lot of people just do a lot of filler or something. Or yeah. Maybe not. I don't know.
0: I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine who's a uh, music supervisor um, for uh, a big uh, conglomerate. I won't name, but mm-hmm. anyway, she was um, she's saying, yeah, you know, actually, I think I've been hearing, like, a lot of uh, great uh, songwriting innovation, actually, in the last, in, in the top 40 like recently and it it's actually striking me and this is a new idea to me mm-hmm. this is just what she, kind of paraphrasing what she was saying this is what she was saying and i was kind of surprised by that and then you know that kind of sparked the conversation about maybe why and i was like thinking you know where i said one good thing about artists not getting paid right now through uh cds or or uh records mm-hmm is that uh, because we can't make a living off of selling our music, like the only way for us to make any money at all is by playing shows, you know, and um, also there's the the licensing thing. But um, you know, and so I think we, that's going to do as long as that that lasts, as long as uh, that horrible thing of people not buying music lasts. Is that um, the recorded music you're gonna get is probably gonna have to do way more with what works on stage mm. than with what works in the studio, mm. and so you're gonna get some innovative stuff going on because you know people will have tested this stuff like entertainers, performers, writers that will have tested their material on stage, like I've always done, mm. and I'm not giving myself any credit. That's just what I've always thought was important. Oh, okay. Test it on stage, take it to the studio and and like i mean maybe that's why i'm seeing it for this yeah. perspective but that could be really cool like you're saying if you're going to put out a hit you know like you can test it out and see how it's working on the audience and if it if that's the song that really takes off okay well that's your next single mm-hmm. you know is that maybe that's how it was in the old days too right that's what i'm yeah. saying yeah that's where we got
2: started with this. um boy but i couldn't i can't i my um whole MO is quite the converse of that, honestly, right? I, yeah, yeah. I because I I for the longest time didn't want to play live shows because I was like didn't have my shit together. I was comfortable, mm-hmm. somewhat comfortable trying to be like a cool side man. I always like thought uh-huh. if I can't do this, like I want to be like a really badass guitar player that plays in the pocket and plays tasteful solos that aren't buzzing around like a mosquito, mm-hmm. you know, and like, uh, you know, for somebody cool, that'd be nice, but. <clears throat> um, but really, with my own shit, I'm like, fuck, I can't, I can't perform this. Like, I suck. Like, um, and then I would have these kind of haphazard groups put together of players, and like a week before the show, which still happens sometimes. But lately, I've been playing more shows, and I actually been having more fun playing the shows. But for the longest time, it was just yeah, just about being trying to make a really great sounding thing in my room, right? Just to go for people. I want people to you know walk around with headphones on and just be you know. Mm. Here's that Peter Bjorn and John hit, or I don't care, Pumped Up Kicks by that one band. Mm-hmm. That's a good song. The verses I'm not so into. They sound like a, just kind of like a generic gorilla's kind of like creepy, like kind of like I don't know. Whoa. Yeah, like like you like the like the vocals like the vocal cords got urine on them or something <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what that means but like uh you know, it's fine okay but uh-huh. once that something about that pumped up kicks when all those uh-huh. things hidden together and probably a lot of people hate that song that's what i find interesting trying to figure out why people like and it i beat my head against it. wait you like why do you like that uh-huh. i know i'm the same way at the end of the day it's all opinions but sure but you know there's probably a reason why I've, you know 4 billion people do like the Beatles, and then some other guy, you know, it's like, have you ever heard of this guy? Well, he's not the Beatles, you know. Yeah. I don't know, I think we should all strive to just make more killer songs. But. Absolutely. But yeah, but make it in the room, and make it for something to somebody to trip out on. Yeah, yeah. In headphones and walk around. I mean, look. But the live thing, yeah, that's... I mean, the, like, I think it's just... It's, it's I admire that, like, I envy that, I don't, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I wanted to ask you something though about your life Shep, yeah. because I, I heard this story from a friend, a yeah. mutual friend, that said, um the one time he played in your band I don't know how long ago, but one time they couldn't find you and uh, until like right before the show started. So like every you loaded in with them and then you disappeared and then when you got there they're like, What happened? And you're like, Oh, I was just meditating in the car.
2: Yeah, I was either masturbating or meditating. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I did that vipassana thing and everything. I did think you, do ever... you
0: remember meditating in, in cars before shows?
2: No, sure. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I would just kind of do whatever. I, I've I've tried to like make like a, a regimen for myself, like. I don't know, a greater mantra of my existence and have like, but I realized that that's almost all like um, superstition in a way,
0: yeah.
2: which is fine. I mean, what, we just don't know anything about anything. Right. So mm. lately I've just been just making spontaneous choices and not really being too hard on myself. I was sober for the most of this last year, mm-hmm. which feels good. You know, and I think I need to keep that up, but I've felt falling off sometimes here and there. and uh, But I feel like I lost a decade and just, being drunk and on drugs or whatever, you know, no. like, you know, not, not to see her. I'm not romantic. I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but I would just right. binge drink. You know, if I have one beer, I wanted to drink 10 or whatever. Uh-huh. And, but, um, so you do get pretty depressed and stuff and then you just want something different. And, but I, I, I don't know if I was meditating. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I just I wanted
0: to pick your brain about that. Like, yeah. Like if, if that was a thing that, that you felt Gave you something on stage.
2: Now when I meditate, I just want to fall asleep. <laughs> it's hard because I think yeah, and so I've been trying to meditate on that. I've been yeah. trying to what is the what is the sensation of sleep? Because I've felt mm. like a lethargic person for a big portion of my life, and I think <sighs> I know what it is. Oh, why don't you try this drug or that? And it's like, well, it's just because. The world's a sad fucking place, <laughs> and instead of lashing out and punching somebody or throwing uh, something over, I would go in and just go to sleep, shut off. Really? So I—that's I, my opinion of myself. I think so. I think like meditation is good, and you go inside and you like—I still haven't figured it out. Like, what's sleep? I feel like it's in my eyes somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> which right. makes sense. Those are related to sleep. You shut them off but uh, i'm like i can feel it in my head like what the fuck is sleep what is drowsiness what is this sensation because in vipassana or whatever they talk about you know um you know just feeling the sensations without judgment and then you judge and then you forgive your own judgment and it's real paradoxical you know so but but speaking on the band stuff like yeah i played with some friends and and it's been growing, and it. I've had the opportunity to play with a lot, and I got a really good band right now. So yeah, it's like um, it's fun. And I use this band Bod as my backing band for a show. Uh, B O D. They're called. They're good guys, and they write great music, kind of proggy, but with just great hooks. You know, I would tell. I'm gonna take a piece of that, and give that to me, oh. and I'll just make that the song. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but these yeah. guys are great, and they and we did a show, and then. Then I got another band, and Abby Blackwell's playing bass for me, and Aaron O'Neill and Patrick Latham on guitar, and that. So once that happened in this last nine months or whatever, I felt like things started to click with live shows, started to actually have fun because I had, yeah, not that I didn't for that. Shane Harrell played with me, and he's great, and oh gosh, so many others. So many. Sheree Falasuti, Sheree, Simon Biddle, Sneed, Aaron. Aaron Schroeder, Chris Byrne. I mean, a, a, but that's cool. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is kind of ridiculous. Like it's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, no, that is cool. Yeah. I don't.
0: That, that it's a weird flexibility too that you have that you can yeah. just do that. Yeah, you know, it's something that the inner control freak in me does not understand.
2: Well, so like what you're saying, so maybe to kind of like go on, on your thing about the live performance, that is cool because like you see how everybody interprets that. This guy, um, what's his name? Christ, he was in uh, that new por- pornographers band. Uh, and he did something with uh, Zoe Deschanel, or uh, you know who I'm talking about.
0: Oh, uh, M Ward. M Ward, yeah. Not
2: a huge fan or anything, but it was really cool, you know, like to see him on like Conan O'Brien and David Letterman two consecutive nights, like one night and then the next night, and he had a whole different band for both shows, oh, whoa. and totally a different arrangement. Like a timpani part was playing, like a big drum was playing the bass part, oh, and the electric bass part. The next night, you know. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, so with different players, like I'm gonna have Pat show. He played drums for me coming up here at a show, um, and he's great. I've I've been wanting to play with him for a long time because uh, I've just seen him in different in, in different respects. He played a Dreamhouse now, he was in Rose Windows, and right. every time I see him, he's kind of got this hip hop feel, like mm. just I don't know. But it's also just tight, you know. Like so, it's it's all good, you know. I always try to call Chris Burnup, but that son of a bitch never gets back to me
0: <laughs> he's
2: like oh I'm busy man love yeah. Chris dude he's a great drummer though what are yeah. you
0: uh, what are you coming out with next? Uh,
2: well I'm trying to finish this dumbass record from the last eight years but uh,
0: don't call it dumbass you,
2: well people you know. always say that but I mean it's somewhat facetious but it's not dude yeah. it's like why do I care about my shit so much But because uh, it's you your know. shit man it's, it's a, your shit it's yeah. important to you well, sometimes I go, man, this stuff's good, and then other times, like, it sucks, you know, but it's, uh, people, artists know, they're familiar with that feeling, but,
1: uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so that's, so that's what I'm working on. I'm working on, I got, maybe, I don't even know, I have a bunch of, feel like, a bunch of good ideas that I just need to, like, there again, I need to flesh out with drums and that, and it's just hard to get the, just to get it just damn right, you know?
0: Yeah, you're particular. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then it's like you're trying to. So I saw this great guitar player when I was like 19. He made me cry. I was at one of these blues festivals with my dad. You know, I call it baby boomer blues. You know, mm-hmm. and I love blues, but you know it's for our parents. And I know exactly what you're talking. Yeah, about. and it's like this stuff. i like. let me. You know, it's like we got like good blues. You know, it'd be like, you know, like. moody yeah. but this shit you know was like <laughs> yeah. my baby got a black cat <laughs> and it's like <laughs> you know just some some another oh shit sorry like right. some another albert king imitation that's just not that and for me the cutoff point was steve rayvon for the last of the greats that being mm-hmm. said i was at this blues festival in uh ritzville washington um and, yeah, Charlie Musselwhite is playing a Chicago harmonica player, and he had this guy with him. And I was like, let's go, Dad. I'm tired of this blues. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's a really swell guy, by the way. Uh-huh. But uh, loving soul, but just some funny tastes sometimes. Uh-huh. But uh, he's like, stick around, man. You don't know what you're going to see. And Charlie Musselwhite came out, and he had this guy, young guy with him named John Wiedemeyer. And, and this guy made me cry, man. Young guy? The young guy? Oh, young guy. He's 29 at the time or something. But, you know, he's playing playing the blues man just like right, but right. it was like so fucking rad like he wasn't just a he wasn't just adequate he really let it breathe you know kind of in the way like i don't know if you know like if you're into brian Setzer or whatever but just right. that really great phrasing or slash Elliot easton joe walsh you know like mm. f- players that phrase mike campbell who plays for tom petty like just really great phrasing you know like, yeah um yeah he really lets it breathe yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. So, well, it's... I guess that
0: was a demand too from a, a Tom Petty special that I saw. It was like Tom, uh, said, you can't. He didn't want to play anything complicated. Mm. So they had to like the band, like had to dumb it down. Well, not dumb it That's down. That's really, good, but you know, like they had to play it simple, dude. You got a great arrangement idea. I it's mean, a great idea. If you listen
2: to those songs, there's so much like simple arrangement parts that people just I don't feel they put or like Foreigner. Like listen to Foreigner when you get high sometime, and just like, I mean, I, I for some reason I get high once every ten years, and I listen uh. to Foreigner. It's like <laughs> like Foreigner Four, or whatever, like fucking double vision and stuff. Like the the just the rhythm section stuff. You're only as good as your rhythm section, you know. Um, you know, I, just talking I know,
0: about, it which like, makes me wonder why you experiment with it. So I don't
2: have a choice. Yeah, people, you know. Now, I've had a faithful group for this last year, you know? Yeah. But, oh, I can't do that show or this. And it's like, well, I'm getting more show offers now, so I might as well just, you know, take the show and then assemble the band after the fact. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this guitar player, John Wiedemeyer, made me cry. Mm. What I was saying, uh, you said... Yeah, so, I don't know what that... You asked a question. I was going to pontificate some more, but, yeah.
0: He was good. Um, Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm yeah. going to... I guess I'm going to have to take you up on uh listening to Foreigner next time i get high if i can remember to do Dude, it.
2: jukebox hero and it builds and then like I've the soap. yeah it's just gosh it's really good um Ju-
0: one last thing about your music
2: anthemic anthemic That's
0: word. anthemic yeah i yeah. like this guy Anthem gavin art. DeGraw.
2: gavin DeGraw, totally cheese right like in this way i mean like, i don't know yeah, if he I is or he isn't but he had this song's like I don't want to be anything other than. Oh, you
0: like that guy, God
2: dude? That me. first album. Ah. Hey, he's okay. Well, I like him because he's got about five amazing songs. Ah.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Subsequently, and but you know. He
0: does have a voice. He's That's... a hell of a lot
2: better than I'm sorry, but I don't want to name names, but you know, like Decemberists or some shit. Right, Death right. That's the shit I can't stand. The Geico mm-hmm. commercial thing. I can't believe I just said their name. But fuck you, Geico. <laughs> Get out of my fucking face. That's the one thing. The corporate America, like. <laughs> Right here, right here, guy. Right here, guy. Right now, you can get him in and fuck my ass. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm over that, dude. It's like... Wait, that, I actually that, that, was a guy, that was a
0: guy? There like was a guy? Like That was an artist? What's that? That did that shit? Gavin DeGraw? No, no. that. You, that you,
2: oh, I mean, okay, to me, that's what all that stuff... A lot of that quote-unquote, in quotes, indie rock, you know, like... Oh, right. Yeah, right. you know, like yeah it's all it's so christian or whatever i don't even know what to say but gavin Degraw may very well be a christian or whatever but whatever that guy's putting in his ears right growing up like his use of chords and everything is really moving like it's gospel it's more like mariah carey or something like it's cool it's just cool it's like like the song chariot you know um sometimes yeah so it's weird it's fun fun there was some other thing yeah Gavin DeGraw you know that's been 10 years since that came out maybe but
0: when you do your next um release are you gonna do because you've got a a cool website I saw your friend like helped you uh Mm -hmm. build out and it's got all your music videos on it yeah um and you have some cool ones and then so what is the um is that your plan for the next release, too? So, like, music video, the next... Brandon, I have no song.
2: plan. I mean, that's the problem, probably. Like yeah. you said, if somebody... If some big shot called me, if, if Beck called me mm-hmm. tomorrow and said, hey, oh, somehow we heard about your shit through the grapevine or whatever. Yeah. Which know. could happen. I, eh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not no. trying to... Like Is that going to happen, for real? The golden Is he going to come out from behind the... The, the, yeah. the uh yeah no, next kidding. time i talk to <laughs> actually my friend a uh, great friend uh charlie wadams who made some of those videos uh uh-huh. he's an la guy and yeah he's that's good, right yeah. yeah and he was he just tried out for beck's band actually oh really yeah I played keyboard and beck talked to him on the phone it didn't end up working out but oh there you know he's so um but that yeah. would have been cool
0: then he would have been one away although i've yeah i've been one away and you're still very far away yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know,
2: we can all name drop and then it's like, and I... And no, it doesn't I'm matter, guilty but of it guilty
0: be cool. You, you love him, so, so it'd be cool if he, like, heard your one shit. One time,
2: like one time when I was... Oh, but at any rate, my point was, but if they caught us and put a deadline on me, mm-hmm. maybe then I'd get my shit together. But at this rate, you know, I should just go home and work on it tonight, but I probably want to probably go to a bar or something. But, um, But one time when I was 15, I loved Beck so much and I was like, depressed or something right Mm -hmm. got in a fight with my mom or something (laughs) i don't even know man but uh and i was like i'm gonna walk to beck's house in la on these railroad tracks i grew up across the street from these railroad tracks and i just started walking and i got i think i got like gosh three quarters of a mile or something Uh like that (laughs) but uh but he uh but it's funny because later on this filmmaker um linus phillips who was a local filmmaker who's doing some cool stuff now he's working he was in like uh eastbound and down with danny mcbride and stuff like that and he made a, a few documentaries. He actually used one of my songs in one of his documentaries uh, oh, called cool. "Ass Backwards," I guess it was. It was you know, he got into Sundance and stuff like that. And he nice. So you know, there's a little bit of feather there, but uh, but he he's a cool guy and he's he's very visceral and he loved Werner Herzog. And his first debut documentary was called "Walking to Werner," which was exactly that idea. And he walked from Seattle to Werner Herzog's house in the Hollywood in uh, Beverly Hills or whatever. Holy. And it's just about the people that he meets while he's walking from yeah. here to there. And he meets some interesting personalities, and that made for a good film. And that got him some local acclaim here in Seattle, and he's been growing. But uh, it was just funny because that was the same idea. I was like, gosh, I felt, you know, I think maybe we've all felt that kind of totally. and, uh Especially at that age. <coughs> I had yeah. that
0: uh, similar experience, not with Beck, but I was like, I'm going to run away. Yeah. I'm going to go try and find an ex favorite band or whatever. And, sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: Did you ever hop a train? I still not No, know. did you? No, I want to though. I think I'm going to do it. I don't care if my front, frontal frontal lobe is supposed to be more developed than that by now or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going yeah. to do it, but yeah. sh- I should have done it this summer. And this-
0: I did something like it once. I was uh, coming home with a friend and we actually going back to his place. It was his birthday. He was really drunk. I was pretty drunk. And then uh, there was a train stopped on the tracks but it could go anytime. Mm. And we jumped over uh, the, character. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's, that's rough. That's, and it was, well, you have to climb on it and then yeah. over it, you know? just it start moving? Like, oh yeah. Uh, it did the, like a moment after we got off of it. Spooky. And, um, and I was like, that was pretty much the stupidest thing I've done in a long time. You yeah. Know? All right. It, it's, it's way threatening when it's up close. Yeah. My dad would tell me stories. I think my dad did it when he was a kid. And, and he would tell me stories. That he actually lost friends Yeah, that did it. That uh, got. There were kids that lost the limbs, and there was a kid that lost his life. So, you know, so scary. That's a big steal, man. Why don't you yeah. try and hop one of those uh, gigantic atom bombs that they're driving through Seattle?
2: <laughs> oh, are you talking about Dr. Strangelove style? Or no, what? no,
0: the big oil rigs that they're oh, driving wow. through. You know, like the... Oh, yeah, yeah, 72 yeah. 72 cars of oil, crude oil from North Carolina. Well, my my dad and I.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. We were walking down by Golden Gardens, and we went up on the tracks, and we were walking on the tracks to this private beach, because it's a gated-ass beach, and fuck that. Right. So we started walking around the tracks. This was this summer, maybe in July. And, uh, I was like, I hear a train. I remember seeing this PSA when I was a kid of this girl walking on tracks and she had headphones and it's like, don't walk on the tracks with headphones, you know? Oh yeah. And it was like, went faded to black. And I was like, that would never happen because, um, because you would hear the fucking train. But then me and my dad were walking and we crossed over these other rails and like literally we just heard this noise and looked around. It was the Amtrak. Those things oh, are, those s- are SBD, man. Exactly. Because, yeah, and they don't have the, the light la- Yeah, they don't the sound like the, yeah, the, the uh, so, and my, we were both kind of like, shit, I didn't want to admit it, but I was like, yeah, that was kind of spooky, man, I'll be
0: careful walking on the tracks. That, so. that same thing yeah. happened to Aaron, Matt, and I, when Aaron was in our group on really? tour, when he was in the Sheiks, and we were on tour, we were coming, I think we were coming back from uh, Santa Cruz, and we hit this beach just north of there, there's freaking amazing and and so we like pulled off and we park and you park and then there's uh train tracks a little bit down the hill and then a little bit more down the hill it was just the beach it's not far distance at all and so Aaron and i get out and we go across the tracks and we're like you know it's on a curve so like all you can see is the curve you can't see much to either direction and then it's just ocean and so uh <laughs> We get across the tracks, and we're down on the beach, and uh, Aaron, I think, said, look out, Matt, or whatever, and Matt hadn't s- same experience as you and your dad, and hadn't heard oh, that, that Amtrak yeah. at all, and he hops off the tracks on Naima King. It was oh, the one gosh. of those crazy things you have to capture in a movie. Like yep. The train is sh- yeah. right behind him, and he turns around like a foot from it and just looks at it like, woo. <laughs> oh my
2: god, dude. That must have shook him up. Where was that yeah, at?
0: uh, Like somewhere in Central California on the coast. Just yeah. Just outside of Santa Cruz somewhere. Dang, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Amtrak doesn't fuck Still around. with the tracks, kids. What the yeah.
2: hell? And they don't care. <laughs> They're not going to honk. They're like, Wah. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's the thing. I think Aaron did give a warning because he heard the horn or something like that. But whatever it was, it was just so fast that... Someone with normal absent-mindedness could easily yes
2: normal it. yep that's normal. really that's scary
0: gosh well I hope yeah. um by the time I post this that yeah. uh it's gonna be uh promoting your um your next video I can still oh yeah do that I can still like throw that into the podcast afterwards
2: cool yeah promoting that would be maybe for this song yeah yeah coming up but uh yeah it's uh it's good it's cool that you're doing this
0: yeah, uh, I I just have to reinf- you know reinforce it, that you you know you are you are a interesting important artist and uh, oh thanks and man I, I think sweet I think that's sweet of you in yourself yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
2: well you know I, I I appreciate it I've spent a lot of time hating myself there thanks Kurt Cobain <laughs> no but uh, it's <laughs> the, it's that ego you know it's know both I mean. sides you know and uh, but yeah I just. <clears throat> I don't know I could just here and name drop like fucking man Whitney Houston so emotional great song like I just want to tell people like what are they I want to do a DJ night you know and just uh, people go well duh yeah of course that's a great song it's like where are they where are they I'm not saying I'm coming up with anything that great but it's like you're trying um, to yeah I'm trying to do that that's the
0: important part yeah it is uh, you're a smart guy I think you're gonna yeah. do it I think <laughs> thanks I think, Brandon I think you're doing it I
2: uh-huh. am you're not short
0: on flattery <laughs> I think hey, I am an artist and is trying to encourage my arts
1: 3 minutes at a time This to bit on thrill the girls you are hunting in your head you the world
0: you think special artist right really like Omar you can find his music in the description section of this podcast as well as on our Twitter page which has the handle at right behind us spelled with a W go support and make music profitable again so you can hear more of these talented musicians that we have on the show for pics of our guests look up BD and the Sheiks on Instagram thanks for listening remember to subscribe on your podcast app We have much more music coming soon, many more uh, conversations. That's it. It's a terrible outro, I know, but ciao for now.